The rest of us will be in chapter 3 of Proverbs. Figure that'd be a wise place to go on a Sunday morning. The line of kids going out the door. I like it, I like it. While you're looking for chapter 3, I uh, don't want to forget to welcome any of our visitors this morning. I hope you uh, enjoy your time with us. And have any questions or things like that, just come and see me or someone else here in the church. We'd be glad to help you out. Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> when we say, in God we trust, what do y'all say? Amen, yeah. Just, if you don't know it, just guess. Amen. <laughs> right, in God we trust. Okay, you're on the page right now. <laughs> uh, we, we see this word, these words in a lot of places in our society or in our this part of the world, right? Uh, we see it in uh, the money that we carry in our pockets. Some of us still carry a little bit of money in our pockets. The rest of us are moving into some plastics and such. But uh, it, it's all, uh, I, was, I got behind a sheriff uh, deputy just yesterday morning. I wasn't pulling him over. I just happened to be behind him. And in the back of his patrol car said, in God we trust. And there's been a lot of debate and a lot of um, public argument about these words in today's society, uh, the, the attack on uh, the Christian faith or the attack on God's existence has continued over the generations, over the ages, and it's nothing new. But I don't really want to talk about all that stuff. I just want you all to get this in your mind, this in God we trust. Uh, thank you. This in God we trust moment uh, in, in our mind because I want, the question I want to ask of you is are these words true for you? Are they true in your heart? I know they might be true in your mind. That's why I wanted y'all to respond with the, a, the usual amen, which is appropriate, because I know you believe it. I know you know it's the right way to go. The question is, is it the way we go? Is it how we live? And I, I don't want you to answer that question so fast. But we'll ask, hopefully we'll ask it again at, at the end of this message. But I want you to think about it, what it means, and how it's, we're going to break it down a little bit. First off, we'll tell you, uh, uh, how many of y'all have ever heard of Charles Blondin? I think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. So this guy, I'll just read, I'll just read, what, what, I'll, I'll read who he is. He was a 19th century acrobat, famous for his tightrope, at 160 feet above Niagara Falls on a rope which was over a thousand feet long. In 1860, a royal party from Britain saw Blondin cross the tightrope on stilts. That's not him on stilts. That's just him in his bare feet up there on the wall. And he did it again blindfolded. After that, he stopped halfway and cooked and ate an omelet. You can look on the internet and see uh, some kind of a rendition, a picture or drawing or something of him doing that. It's kind of weird. But he, had, he cooked, carried the whole stove out there and just set it down on the rope and cooked him breakfast. And then, it, and then it says, next he wheeled a wheelbarrow from one side to the other and then returned with a sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow. Apparently, he practiced this a few times, right? Then he approached this royal party who was witnessing this or being entertained by this and he asked 
the Duke of Newcastle, do you believe that I could take a man across the tightrope in this wheelbarrow? And the Duke's answer, well, yeah. I've already seen you go across there a bunch of times. Yeah, I believe it. He said, well, then jump in. So the Duke said, uh, no. The point, the point of that, and this is all, uh, as far as the best of my knowledge, this is really happening. So, the point is, is the Duke might have believed that this dude could do this with a person in the wheelbarrow. But he wasn't willing to risk his life for what he believed could happen. He wasn't willing to put his life on the line. Or, in a, hopefully in a better way to understand for the future of this message, he wasn't really willing to put all of his weight on what he thought was true. He didn't trust 100% that he was going to be able to do it. Or he would have jumped in the wheelbarrow. When it comes to God, y'all, this is... This is the kind of belief that is not really that much good for God. It really doesn't benefit God for us to have this halfway. We believe that God can do it, but we're not going to put our life on the line for it. We're not going to be all in because we really haven't seen. So this guy saw him go back and forth on this high wire, this tight wire, and he saw him do all these crazy things. So it, it seems natural that we would, any of us would have said the same thing. Yeah, I think you can do it. Try it. Let me see it happen. But not, not with me in the wheelbarrow. Anybody in this room that's sitting down has put 100% of your trust in whatever it is you're sitting on. Right? And I've, I've seen, time after time, I've seen gravity affect my life. In a lot of ways. So I trust gravity. This, I trust gravity is not going to let me down in any way. The question is, do we trust God this way? And, 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 and I, think, I think almost every one of us who, who say we're believers, who say we're saved by the blood of Christ, who say that we know God, and it would even say that we trust God. I think we all, at some point, we have a a line that we meet sometimes in life where we're like, we believe God's going to do it, but. And we really can't even explain why the but is there. Because our mind says, we believe, because we read it in his word. Our heart says we believe that God can do it and that we trust him because we've experienced God in the past in a lot of different ways. There's plenty of evidence that we can trust God. However, we still seem to, from time to time, there's that one or two percent of our trust that we just kind of reserve a little bit. It's called doubt. Right? And if we think, if any of us sit back and say, well, that's not me, I don't doubt God. I I think you you probably uh, would be hasty in saying that because I think if we all sat back and evaluated our life and uh, were honest with ourselves, there are moments when we doubt what's happening in the world. We mo- there's moments when we doubt, even though we believe, because God is such a big God and so capable, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the totality of His ability and the 
desires for us. So sometimes we doubt. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's something that uh, causes God to be angry with us or, 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 or kick us out of the family. You know? I mean, Peter is one of the examples, obviously. But Peter was the only one that walked on the water with Jesus before he doubted. A lot of these guys doubted. They all they all was running around saying, uh, we're trying to heal people like you told us to, but it's not working. What, what's going on? It was all because their, 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 their trust in, in what the Lord was doing or what could, could be done was not uh, appropriately addressed. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being lost. In James chapter 2, verse 52. In James chapter 2, in verse 52, we read all of the, the verses from, uh, I think, verse 41 to 52. Uh, not James, Luke, excuse me. In Luke chapter 2, right, where Jesus, Jesus was with his parents, they went to the festival, and uh, he went to the, the father's house, and he was about the father's business, and then his parents were looking for him because they had lost him. Well, at the end of those verses, we read it, but we didn't focus on it because we were talking about other things. Let's, let's read verse 51 and 52 of Luke chapter 2. It says, then, we, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them because they were his parents after all, and he honors his father and mother. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And here it is, verse 52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is important for us to point out in this moment. As we talk about whether we trust God or not, if we put our trust in God or not. Because if we're believers, if we call ourselves Christians, the goal is to be like Christ. To live the way he taught us to live. And right here is one example of how Christ lived. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3 and let's read just a few verses out of this from verses one, verse 1 to verse 6. I'll read them through and then I'll come back and break them down. Verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they, they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Verse 3 says, Let love and faithfulness Excuse me, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then finally in verse 6, in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I, this man standing right here, am doing the best I know how to do to find out the way Jesus lived and the way he taught so that I can try to be as like him as I can in this world. Now, I'm just like the rest of y'all. Sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't. But if I'm not following the Lord and his guidance, his spirit and his word, I'm always going to fail at that. I'm not going to be like Jesus because I don't know how Jesus was and is. Right? So in Luke, we're looking, and it says he grew in wisdom and stature and gained favor from God and men. 
And I just read it again in verse 4. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Oh, if I want to be like Jesus and win favor from God and men, then i got to do what? Well, everything we just read is a truth. Right? So let's break it down. Let's look at verse 3 and 4 specifically. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a, and a good name. Verses 1 and 2 are just setting you up for this. Saying, look, if you're interested in wisdom, if you're interested in what's true, if you're interested in what's good, then read the next two verses in verse 3 and 4. Love and faithfulness. That's what God is. That's what he's about. Y'all would say amen if I said, do you believe God is faithful? And even if, God, even if you are in line for some consequences for sin, you would have to say, God is still faithful. We don't like it, but it's the way it is. Because we know that God corrects those he loves. Yeah? So we even say amen to some of the conviction from the Spirit of God because it's what's good for us. Love and faithfulness. Let them never leave you. Don't let them, don't let, don't let it, don't let love and faithfulness not be a part of your life. Find out what it is. Find out how you make it who you are, and then let it be. And don't don't let it out of your sight. Bind them around your neck. It says, wear them like in a, a necklace, an adornment, so that you won't forget and that others can see. A lot of times when uh, people get uh, a gift from a loved one in Sometimes it's a necklace and they'll wear it and it reminds they got a little picture of your spouse or somebody or your children, right? Or maybe it's something that your great-grandmother left throughout the family and you just wear it all the time because it makes you remember things. And there's, there's some fondness to it. This is the way the Lord wants us to carry these things about love and faithfulness. If, we, if we're carrying love and faithfulness in these ways on a spiritual level, then we won't engage in the ugliness that doesn't honor God in life. And we will not be failing to trust in God. This is, this is one, one example <laughs> of this is loving your enemies. It is really difficult to love someone who has just uh, spit in your face or smacked you in the face or insulted you or your family or attacked your children in some way, form, or fashion. But God says to love. Well, how on earth? How on earth can we not react in a way that doesn't honor God and it's because we're living in love and we're learning faithfulness. We're experiencing God's love. We're experiencing His faithfulness. The more God shows his faithfulness to me and you, the more we trust him. I suspect that maybe this Duke, if he would have saw this guy carry one person across on the wheelbarrow, then maybe he might have taken a turn. Maybe not. Right? So here's, some, here's the purpose. We're winning favor and, and, and a good name in the sight of God and man. Not for me, not so I can be rich and famous, not so I can be well-known, so God can be glorified. I want God's favor, and I want man's favor, all for the glory of God and for the sake of making disciples. 
And if it ever becomes anything more than that, then I'm kind of out of line with what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't at, uh, in the temple teaching and talking about the father's business when he was 12 years old, just so he could be rich and famous. He was doing his, Lord, his father's business. He was about the Lord's business. He was on mission. So we don't forget the teaching and we keep the commands in our hearts. That's, that's, those are the prerequisites for the blessings, for the benefits. The benefits are prolonged life and prosperity. That's verse 1 and 2. Don't forget the teaching. Keep the commands in your heart. Wear them, wear, proudly keep them in your heart. Don't hide them, right? We're walking around saying we know the Lord. Matter of fact, he's our God. He, he, he died on the cross. That's who we are. Would you like to know who he is? And here, here's the hard part when it comes to the disciple making for a lot of people, for all of us really. When we're sharing Christ and when we're sharing our faith and when we're just loving people and other people are saying to themselves, hey, maybe I believe, maybe I don't, but it, I don't, that's not for me. No thanks. I don't believe God wants us to say, okay, bye, and then write that person off from the circle of people we hang out with. Like, okay, here's a person that just chooses not to believe what I do. Here's a person that does, either doesn't understand or does and has made a choice. But because of love and faithfulness, I'm going to love this person because I want to be faithful to God when I'm making disciples. Maybe they'll never believe what you believe, but don't stand before God one day and find out you should have kept loving a person when you didn't. Don't give up on people because that's not trusting God. Right? Every one of us have a long list of people who we love dearly, and we want them to know that Jesus is real. We want them to know what we know. We want them to know what uh, the, the problem is with sin, right? Separates us from God, but God has the solution. We know the gospel, and we want them to be able to make a choice for themselves. We would love for them to choose the, <laughs> the very thing that would give them eternal life, which was receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, repenting, being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Begin to do the things that Jesus taught us to do. Continue to walk in faithfulness and in love. That's the Christian life. But we can't decide not to love people just because they're not like us. Because that's not trusting God. We don't know what God's doing in someone's life, in someone's heart. We don't know what God is doing in your own heart in the middle of that. So if we want prolonged life, by the way, some people will look at this verse and say, okay, here's how you live to be an old person, like a lot of years. And it's very difficult to look at this scripture and not take it that way. You get many years, it says many years and bring prosperity. Well, if you look at the original writings and you study the culture of the way it was written, you'll see that this is uh, more inclined to be talking about a fuller life filled with love and faithfulness and blessings because not everybody lives to be old. Right? And it's, it would be, it would be a, a, a grave mistake for us to look at those who have uh, not lived to be old people, what we consider to be old people, and think that they were not faithful or that they did not love God or they weren't wise people. That's just not the case. <coughs> Excuse me. 
So don't let that trip you up. We're looking at the teaching, keep my teaching and keep my commands part primarily. And we're trusting God with the amount of time he allows us to have in this world. Verse uh, going on, it says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. These are more prerequisites. Bind, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Have you ever thought about, uh, have you ever thought about what if something happened in this world where you were no longer allowed to have this in your hand or even on your phone? For whatever reason that would be, my question then would be, would you still know the word of God? Would you still have the word of God in your heart? Have you poured enough of it in there over the, the time that you've been in this world to where you still have the truth of God's word written on your heart? That's, a, that's something to think about. It's something to consider. It's something that we need to be uh, very aware of. Because you may not have this piece of paper with these words on it one day. You may not have access the way we do to the word of God, the wisdom that we find in the word of God. I oftentimes asked youth group members years ago, if you could only take one book of the Bible for the rest of your life, which one would it be? And I got a lot of different answers. Some of them didn't know. I don't even know if I can answer that question. Because it changes. It depends on what I'm focused on and what I'm doing. It's hard, isn't it? But we have it. And it's right here. Sometimes we're not looking at it. Sometimes we're ignoring it. Are we trusting God? Excuse me. I'm not going to be able to talk. It's hard to do something like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. So let's look at five, verse 5 and 6 and finish this off. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I believe that these two verses uh, support everything that was read in the first uh, four verses. They go all together. This is the key to it all. There's a purpose here. For the paths to be made straight. How many of y'all like straight paths? Nobody likes challenges. Nobody likes it to be hard. I'm going to take the, the, the straight and narrow, quickest way to get somewhere. I learned very quickly when I moved here several years ago, there is no straight path. Anywhere. There is no straight path. However, I found my way around, and I know several ways to get everywhere now. I even know several ways to get lost. The original writings, when it talks about trusting God in this particular part of Scripture, really uses a word that means to put all of your weight on. Release it. Don't support yourself in any way. Just lean on completely and fully. Why well, I said everybody sitting down on something here this morning is trusting in whatever it is you're sitting on. Because usually when you sit down, you're not really holding your weight up with your feet anymore. You're, you're putting it all on the chair or the uh, furniture that you're sitting on or the floor or whatever. It's a picture of faith, isn't it? It's what it means to believe and have faith in something. I really do believe that all of us feel like we trust God. 
I don't think you would be here if you didn't trust God on a Sunday morning or any other day. I don't even think you would read this Bible if you didn't trust God. But the trust, the kind of trust that God wants is the trust, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you think that's difficult, just say amen and say it proudly. To lean lean not on your own understanding. We're raised to be intelligent people. God created us and designed us to have some intelligence. Our brains are very intricate and special and elaborate. So it's proper to know stuff. It's what God intended for us to have some wisdom or some ability to learn and obtain knowledge and use that knowledge and be able to make decisions. But if we get so far down the road that our intellect becomes our God and we no longer have any need for God or any desire to trust in Him for anything, we surely have uh, lost sight of what's happening I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more gravity affects me. And the less I lean on things. I lean on this because I'm used to it. <laughs> but I was uh, we were out yesterday with my brother walking around in the woods because they, they're from Florida and they ain't never seen a hill before. So we took them out and did some hiking and stuff. And I didn't bring my hiking poles like I normally do. And I really wish I had. Because the higher we went up on the mountain, the more gravity was trying to pull me back down the mountain. And the more my legs got tired, and I really wish I had those sticks to lean on. I really wish I had something besides just my own strength after a while. I mean, it wasn't like I was dying or anything, but you know, it could have been a lot easier. And I could have presented to my older brother that I was just as strong as him, but I was kind of failing him. When he says, trust the Lord with all of your heart, you have to ask yourself, and don't respond to this, don't raise your hand, you and God talk about this. Do you trust God with all of your heart? Every inch of it. 100%. You ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm, everything I do, if not just about everything I do, I'm either in or I'm out. I'm 100% or I'm not doing it. I've always been that way. Uh, I don't know that it's wrong or right, but that's just the way I am. I, if I'm going to do something, I like to do 100%, put myself into it 100%. However, the more I think about asking you all this same question, I have to ask myself, am I always 100% in with trusting God? And I, I'll tell you, the answer is no. I want it to be yes, but it's not. Because I, like you, have worried from time to time about things. And, and, and had anxiety over how is this going to work out or how is that going to happen or how do I make this happen or how do I do this or whatever. It took, me, it took me four and a half weeks to write my very first sermon ever because I had so much anxiety over it. And, I, and it was immediately apparent to me after I preached that first sermon in my life, that evening it was apparent to me that people really just don't care that much about how, what I got to say, that I got to worry for a month and a half over it. Just trust God. Just talk to God and trust what you're going to say is what God wants you to say and just let the Lord deal with it. 
If I would have never got over that, I could have been, I'd have been a miserable preacher. I probably would have had a heart attack by now because I wasn't trusting God. And I know life is hard and things happen. Right, you've got situations that are very serious. Life-threatening situations sometimes. Sometimes your kids are, you know, I just talked to a person just the other day. She told me her adult kids have, they, they grew up in the church, but they no longer follow the Lord. They've chosen that they don't really need the Lord. They don't need Christianity. They don't need the Bible. They don't, just don't have anything to do with it. She's, she's brokenhearted over that. She's really worried about that. And as a preacher, I'm looking at her. It's like, well, we'll just have to keep praying about it and just trust the Lord to have his way in my life. Right? But as a man, as a father, while I'm talking to this lady, I'm remembering I had those same concerns over my son when he went off to college. Is he going to get away from God? Is he going to choose God? Is he going to stay with God? Is the world going to get a hold of him? And so hard, isn't it? It's hard to trust God 100% all in. Does this mean be foolish and just not care about the people? Does it mean for the preacher to say, you know what? God will take care of these people sitting here. Just write your sermon and go fish. No. No, we work hard. We pray and we work together. We study the Bible together. We cry together. We live together because we care about one another. But most of all, we trust God together. I trust that God is working in you, and I trust that God, that you trust that God is working in me. And I trust that whatever we do in this community for the sake of these people that live here, that we're going to trust that God would have his way. We're going to trust that if we just be faithful and love people, that God would have his way here. And not only will the community have an opportunity to see God and be a part of what God's doing, but we will also be living in his blessings and see his faithfulness from time to time as people come around and miracles happen and answered prayers come along the way. Isn't it great when God answers a prayer and it's obvious? I come running into the church, the Lord answered my prayer. And we're all like, praise the Lord and amen and hallelujah easy to trust God when we're praising Him for answered prayers, isn't it? But when we're waiting for other prayers that haven't been answered, it's hard to trust God. Not that we don't want to trust God, it's just hard. Because it takes faith, it takes believing in something you can't put your hands on or see with your eyes. <clears throat> right? And whenever you, whenever you and your spouse or your children or your mother and father or whoever, somebody you're close to, whenever we have disagreements and we sometimes get angry and let that get the best of us and we say things that we probably really don't mean. We have to trust that we love each other. We have to trust that even in the middle of the hard things, we still love each other. Even though in that moment we don't see the love or experience the love. So we just don't lean on my own understanding. If my wife is chewing me out, I'm not going to lean on that as all of her feelings for me. Right? I'm not going to put all my weight on us. Okay, well, she's mad, and so now she don't love me. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. 
Everything that you do should show evidence of God in your life. Everywhere you go, everything that you're about, whatever you say, whoever you talk to, when you're not doing anything, it should acknowledge the existence of God in your life. And even more to the point of today's message, it should acknowledge the fact that you trust Him. The hardest thing for a person to do in their spiritual journey is right before they get saved, right before they surrender to God and say, you know what, these things are true, and I've done things that offend God. And I have an opportunity here to recognize that God created a a solution to that problem, and I can just accept Jesus and everything he did on the cross so that God can offer me the forgiveness that Jesus died for. That is a, a, that's a big moment in our lives. Remember when you all got saved? It wasn't just, let me go uh, take a dip in the, in the baptismal and so everybody will see that I'm a Christian. If you genuinely were saved and were genuinely convicted about your condition as an offender of God, an enemy of God, you should have been tore up in your heart. And you should have been a little bit afraid, if not a lot afraid. And your actions in that time should have acknowledged your trust in God. You see, when a person stands before any person, anybody in the world and says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I believe I've offended God just because I'm disobedient to Him, acting like He's not real or acting like He doesn't matter, but I'm going to change all that. I don't want to be like that anymore. In fact, I want what Jesus died for. So I repent. And then you let someone else baptize you. Some other believer will baptize you in the, in, the, in the baptistry or in the lake or river somewhere. You come out a new person. You come out a new, a new person in Christ. The Spirit of God living in you. Jesus living in your heart. And you are not the same anymore. The only way for you to believe that in a way that that brings salvation into your life is 100%. You have to believe this gospel 100% or you probably aren't saved. You don't have to understand it 100%. You have to believe it. You have to put your trust in God. Because he says, here's Jesus and here's what he's going to do on the cross. And when he came back to life on the third day and was resurrected and went on to be with the Father, the Spirit of God came on those who believe. It's all evidence that he can be trusted. It's all evidence that when he says he loves you, it's real. And no one can love anyone exactly like God does. We can try. I say we we work the rest of our lives and try. But we can't get it exactly 100% like God. But I can tell you what I can do 100%. I can look at the way Jesus taught me to live, and I can try to be like Him. So that we win the favor of good, (coughs) we win the favor of a good name in the sight of man and God. That's when He makes our paths straight. When we're doing race car stuff, and we're road racing, 
the teachers, who, who the people who instruct other drivers, that wouldn't be me, I'm not a driving instructor, I'm a, a learner. They often say to the students, straighten out the curve when you're trying to go fast, when you're trying to be what a race car tri- driver is trying to be. So you take the straightest path you can, even though there's more than one curve in the racetrack. You try to make it as straight as it can be because the more curves there are, the more friction you're causing, and the slower you go, the more hindrance you have. And I would say to the disciple maker, we got to find ways to straighten the curve. Whatever stands in the way, dismiss the obstacles. And those are found in the love and faithfulness which are found on our own. You want to make the obstacles go away? Love more. You want to make obstacles less difficult? Find more faithfulness in God and you put more faith in God. Trust God. Because sometimes the obstacles are really not obstacles at all. They're really just in our minds. I don't know how many times, I don't know how many hours and hours I wish I could get back that I've worried over things that really weren't there. They were all in my mind. I thought something was happening or I thought maybe, maybe somebody thinks this or is saying that or maybe they didn't get that or maybe I did something wrong or whatever on down the line and it really wasn't there. And I was creating curves that weren't there when I wasn't trusting God. We realize that trusting God means we trust one another. I mean, you got the same spirit that I do living in me. If you're saved, we have the same spirit. So even if there was a problem, shouldn't we trust each other? to do what the, le- the Lord would lead us to do in that. Yeah? It's difficult, I know. This is Proverbs chapter 3, y'all. <clears throat> this is Proverbs chapter 3. The very beginning, well, not the very beginning, it's pretty close to the beginning of Proverbs. If we go <coughs> to close to the end of Proverbs, in chapter 28, just in this one verse, it says, He who trusts in himself is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Now, I was debating on coming out here and just flat out saying, do y'all want to be a fool? But I know the answer to that question. It's hard to read that. It's hard for me to read that. I I, I feel like we're the same in some ways. When I see the scripture, the wisdom, that's in the word of God, that he who trusts in himself is a fool. It's harsh to me. I'm not sure if I know why it's harsh, but I know that I don't like to be called a fool, and I certainly don't like to be a fool. And what's even worse, I don't like to to be a fool and not know I'm a fool. When When you're a fool and you don't know you're a fool, you just keep on being a fool, which is more fool. If I'm going to be a fool, I'd rather know it. But what's more important is if you read the first part of that sentence, it tells you how not to be a fool. He who trusts in himself is a fool. I learned, thank God I learned, uh, some time ago, since I've been walking with the Lord, that I can't be trusted. And I mean, I can't trust myself. You can trust me, but 
I can't trust myself. Because if I lean on my own understanding, I will always fail. Because my understanding doesn't always line up with what God's doing and the truth of God's word and the way he wants it. I'm not saying don't think about things and don't know things and don't figure things out. I'm saying go to God with everything. We're trying to make disciples here today. We're trying to welcome people into our church so that they too can find the Lord. And if they choose to come and serve with us and make other disciples and we can honor God together, that's the goal. But if we're doing it in our own strength, in our own mind, in our own wisdom, we're not going to make it. Or we might be able to bring a lot of people in here. It's kind of, it, it, it can be easy to draw a crowd if you think about it. But if it's not glorified, then it's, then it's wasted. It's all wasted. It doesn't matter how straight or crooked your path is. But uh, uh, beginning of Proverbs, the end of Proverbs, talking about what it means to have wisdom and what it means to be a fool. The question is, are you living on, are you living with God with all your heart and all your mind? That's the, that's the big question. Because that, if you can answer that question, then you'll have the answer to the question of do you trust God? Right? Now, some might say, it's kind of a trick question, and it kind of is. It's a trick question because we all know that we, can't, we struggle being 100% in all the time because we're not perfect. We know we're not perfect. It's not a matter of you have to trust God 100% of the time or else you're not saved, or you don't have to trust God 100% of the time or you're not doing good as a Christian. It's a matter of what is your desire. Do I desire to trust God that much? Right? Because I look at people, I look at people that I know that have been walking with the Lord, and sometimes they just do some amazing things for the kingdom. They do some things. They, they walk out there on that spiritual tight wire and make themselves breakfast spiritually. And you're just looking at them like, whoa, how on earth do they do what they do? And the reality is, is I think sometimes we all do that. We all look at other people and we're like, man, God's using them in great ways. But I think God wants us to look in the mirror and say, God can use you in great ways too. You just trust Him. You just lean on Him. Lay in His arms and let Him do it. Right? You ever seen that, that, that trust, uh, trust fall stuff? People get behind you. Like you get like six or eight people behind you, and they, and they say they're going to catch you, but you're not looking at them, and you just fall backwards, and you trust them that they're going to catch you. A lot of businesses do that to try to build teamwork and, and trust within the team. I've even seen churches do that just for, we've done it in the youth group just because it's fun. But, I, but I've, seen, I've seen people who don't understand how to do it, and all the people are behind them, and they just fall forward. <laughs> they just fall flat on their face because they didn't understand. But they trusted they trusted 100% that those people were going to catch them. When you fall on God, do you trust Him? God will not fail. He will not allow you to fail. You just trust Him. Because you represent 
you were set up to win. You're not set up to fail. You've got to understand something. If you don't know the Lord, that's your first step of faith. That's your first act of trust. You say, you know what? I don't know how to do this, but I, this is true. You can understand. I 100% put my faith in this tree that Jesus is going to save me. The rest of us, we're going to continue to trust God more and more every day. You ready? Let's stand up together and sing.